0: department thank you so much dr ed for coming on the show and finally making this happen i think we were what a month and a half trying oh, a good to,
1: month or two indeed, a good, a good two months
0: trying to nail down a date so thank you thank you for coming on the show i know nowadays there's not a whole lot much more happening but i could be wrong so that's what we're here to see with everything that's going on in our sure. world nowadays but anyways so I'd I label you as the entrepreneurship guy here at L S
1: U, but what I guess what is your official title at the university? So I guess first and foremost I'm a professor and but I'm also the, the department chair for the Stevenson Department of Entrepreneurship and Information Systems. And so that's basically wraps sums up where I am today. Okay, so you're the, the chair,
0: department head mm-hmm. for the Stevenson entrepreneurship department. That's correct. Okay, so where how? How did you get here? Where'd you come from? Where'd you grow up? We want to, we want to go back, way back. Way so. back, well,
1: I guess who Ed was tell me as a, a child. child. Okay, uh, I grew up in Rochester, New York, and so you know, from an entrepreneurship perspective, LSU had hired the first entrepreneurship back in the eighties. Uh, if I if I have the history correct, it's uh, Dr. Bob Justice. Okay, and he really was the one who got entrepreneurship going. From an academic point of view, he was in the management department, and he created some courses. And that's about the time Charlie D'Agostino came to LSU and started uh, the Innovation Park, which was Louisiana Business Technology Center at the time. So uh, a lot of a lot of stuff going on in the community back then that I wasn't really connected to directly, and. Uh, And then it was, I guess, uh, Bob Justice created some courses and the Department of Management created a concentration for management students. So in the early 90s, you could pursue a concentration in entrepreneurship if you were a management student in a business school. After Katrina, uh, Emmett and Tony Stevenson wanted to help us uh, pursue new opportunities and new growth areas. And they... uh, founded the Stevenson Disaster Management Institute and also the Stevenson Entrepreneurship Institute and those were both uh, founded in the College of Business. And with some funding, the uh, Stevenson Entrepreneurship Institute uh, created a number of initiatives including the LSU 100, Uh, they created a, a entrepreneurship boot camp for veterans. And also the fellows program, which is kind of like a boot camp for undergraduate students and master stu- uh, graduate students. And they also uh, management uh, department in college also created a minor in entrepreneurship, which then. Uh, around 2008, I believe, made entrepreneurship available to uh, pretty much anyone at the university who wanted to study it, at least formally in coursework. And so that was where we were back when I joined, I came back to the department and became chair around 2015. The uh, decision was made to uh, expand the ISDS department and take on a new major, which was really, I believe uh, what the Dean wanted to see and what the Stevensons wanted to see. Uh, So that really opened up new opportunities for us, a a much bigger investment uh, from the Stevensons as well as from the university. The university uh, committed to six faculty lines, six tenure track faculty lines, and that really uh, created the kernel for what is to become the new uh, Stevenson department. So what we're doing today is uh, we're offering a bachelor's degree in entrepreneurship as well as uh, the minor in the fellows program. We've expanded our coursework in entrepreneurship uh, and in the department we're doing that as well as what we were doing when we were ISDS, which is a bachelor's of information systems and the master's of analytics. So we're, we're offering, um, Basically, three different types of degrees. Okay,
0: so why, I guess, why the connection between ISDS and entrepreneurship? Like, why kind of make them go together?
1: Uh, it was, at the time, an opportunity. Uh, it made sense to us because we had, uh, during the dot-com bu- dot boom, we had been experiencing with star- uh, startups and studying startups and building coursework around this uh, idea that tech uh, entrepreneur and IT entrepreneur and so I guess uh, and uh, maybe it was this uh, idea that we could find some synergies and where you know sometimes that's just the way it happens just uh, just the nature of the how we're structured and it just seemed to be the right thing to do right and it was also I uh, probably at the time uh, in the budget environment we were in it would have been very difficult to create a brand new department. And justify that to the Board of Regents so it seemed to be um, a way to really get the ball rolling quicker and also find some interesting uh, synergies and, and leverage those kind of opportunities okay
0: yeah that's I mean it makes sense with the like you said the dot-com boom coming into play where it's okay we're seeing this potential to have a bunch of tech startups you know mm-hmm. a bunch of tech entrepreneurs want to go through the program and want to be involved so let's tailor towards them and that falls under the umbrella of the ISDS department. So I, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that makes complete sense to me as to why the connection was there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I want to kind of back up before you even became a professor. Like, did, were you graduated college and went straight to being a professor, or was there, was there a different side of you that happened before going to the professor route?
1: Gosh. So after my bachelor's degree, I worked for General Motors in the okay. in, uh, industrial era, uh, heavy manufacturing. Uh, for a good a year and then I went back to grad school uh, to Penn State because I didn't like the opportunities I was seeing career path wise and it was a great experience uh, working with labor unions and uh, uh, in supervision and just uh, I I really relished that experience but um, I really wanted to kinda I felt like I needed to be more uh, cutting edge and getting more into the new emerging sort of technologies and Program so I joined Penn State and um, eventually uh, I left Penn State ABD all the dissertation okay. and I worked uh, took a job in Pittsburgh for a software company which was a startup kind of like a Bill Gates university professor working in his garage all on right. software and well, uh, what was in, what was involved in the startup and the software startup. Uh well I wasn't in, there in the early days but when I got there they had already been founded at State College you know here's a Penn State professor Dennis Pegden. they started the company in State College and part of their expansion involved moving to Pittsburgh where they could be 30 minutes from the new Pittsburgh airport okay and um and then I joined them when there was maybe uh maybe 40 employees so and what do, what did they do we. Built software to model systems, and we typically focused on production systems, whether it's an automobile factory or a Burger King restaurant, Uh, making and producing goods and services, studying throughput, Uh, could be a train hub, a port, a hospital. Uh, We built computer models to study throughput uh, issues and congestion, queuing, and those sort of things. And, and what, uh, what, what, what year is this? Just for a sort of so, reference oh point. Gosh, this is, <laughs> I guess, nineteen for me, uh, nineteen eighty five. Okay, I, so that when, was that's pretty. Yeah, so nineteen eighty five is when I started the masters. Eighty seven, I rolled into the PhD program. Ninety, I left and worked, went to Pittsburgh to work for Systems Modeling at the time, which okay. was ultimately acquired by Rockwell Systems uh, okay. after I'd left. So I worked there in nine, from 1990 to 1994 in a consulting group, uh, working for clients, uh, large and small, Xerox, uh, General Motors, Kodak, and some small firms. That's I that's, say, none, none of those production. are pretty small companies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, all sorts. It was, it was just a great experience working in consulting. I love being challenged and I love uh, learning. Everyone wants to learn new things every day, and take on new projects, meet new people, and kind of expand uh, my ability to manage projects and, um, and that sort of thing. So that's sort of where I um, ended up, how I ended up in Pittsburgh. In 1994, I finally finished my dissertation, defended it successfully, graduated, and just thought if I'm going to being if I want to be an academic. Now is the opportunity. Now is the best opportunity. Right. So that's when I went on the market in 1994, and that's when I uh, interviewed at LSU. So
0: how did they? How did they find you? I guess I mean I don't I have no idea how universities find professors or find it's, uh, directors. What does What does that process look like?
1: At the time it was more national. Now it's very international, but it's a nat- It was a national job market. We, uh, we would attend an, a major conference uh, that all the major schools are uh, present at. In, in, general, in general, you would set up interview appointments, much like we do today with a particular school. You have to submit your resume and they, you know, review them and, and they, if they, they fill their schedule uh, during the conference. And so you go into a hotel room and sit across <laughs> a couple of faculty and get drilled for about 30 minutes. And then you leave and hopefully get a phone call. So that led to um, the campus visit. And, and then the campus visit, it, it just really clicked. It resonated. Uh, the folks I met uh, were just, uh, the chemistry was really good. And uh, there was something about Louisiana, something about LSU. I felt there this was a school that had the best opportunities. Um, and so that's what attracted me to it. And I had to sell my wife.
0: Right. And how,
1: how which was which was
0: harder, the university selling you to come here or are you selling your wife to come here?
1: They were both equally the uh very positive experiences in a That's sense, great. We had just experienced the most brutal winter that Pittsburgh may have ever had that where they had to close the city for 3 days because they had no place to move the snow. And oh, she uh she really likes the sun and the beaches and uh, she inter- or I interviewed in March, so when I went back home, I said, you better head down there next week and check it out, because this is a serious opportunity, and so she came down on the plane the next week, and it was March, the flowers were blooming, the sun was out, so she was sold as soon as she got off the plane, Absolutely. and so yeah, that was great, that was a great time for us. Yeah, but that's, I,
0: I know uh, last year when my wife and I were looking to purchase our home, we looked in march and towards the end of april at the homes i mean the landscape they could have been terrible all year but
1: at that time of year everything just looked better it does and, indeed all the rain brings oh out the gosh. green the flowers yeah. uh, absolutely and people don't realize how uh, green louisiana is it's it's amazing when we bring guests here they are they're just uh, constantly surprised
0: yeah i mean it's it's green we've got you know we also have some color in there not the the colors of fall as much as i went to uh gatlinburg recently this past year and it was just you know colors of fall everywhere your oranges your reds your yellows mm-hmm. i was like wow okay we don't have this in baton rouge mm-hmm. but at yeah. the same time you know to give and take they have you know harsh winters and all that other stuff uh, at least in comparison to here yep mm-hmm. okay so now we're we're caught up and now we're you worked in the consulting side. You did a lot of IT stuff. It almost sounds like, and just mm-hmm. consulting for different big companies, small companies, manufacturers, a lot of processing and mm-hmm. a lot of you know procedures and policies in place. Did you? How are you able to take that and implement it into LSU's culture?
1: Well, when you join LSU as a faculty, there's a tradition where you you know you have to publish or perish. You have to focus on the research. You have to uh, do a good job with the teaching, and also uh, do a certain amount of service to your profession, uh, to the discipline, and to the for the university. So I followed the traditional route pretty much uh, through my career. I, I did jump onto some opportunities at the time with the dot uh, with the dot com boom. We were creating new curriculum. So in a sense, and when I look back, uh, by necess by necessity, we. We're very entrepreneurial and innovative in how we approach delivering programs and uh, servicing students um, day in and day out. So that, I think, um, you know, it's all about, for me, I think it was what really interests me is building programs and solving problems. Mm -hmm. And that seems when I look back, that's largely maybe what maps to my earlier career Mm -hmm. is that kind of work. I like more innovative things. I like, uh, challenges and steady as she goes, just isn't generally where I find myself. Usually it's, um, uh, and getting involved in some really new things. And at the time in the late nineties, it was a program. We started with SAP at mm-hmm. the time, a young, uh, German company that had just had a breakthrough with enterprise software and they were looking to make, uh, expose more students to the software. So we sort of, we were one of the first programs in the country to jump into the arena in this university alliance program. And we, before we knew it, we found ourselves running uh, non-productive instances of the SAP system for students to learn on. So it was real interesting uh, time with uh, dealing with a lot of uh, recruiting and a lot of new programs, new courses, and uh, growth in the program, the degree that we had. I think it was uh, something like going from 100 majors to 600 majors in just a couple of years. And then, of course, after Y2K, uh, we had the boom and the bust. And so we dealt with the uh, roller coaster ride of ramping up and then ramping down and, and then just looking for the next... Uh, technology, the next trend, uh, the next thing that our uh, recruiters and our business community uh, was looking for in terms of uh, preparing students uh, for a more kind of technical oriented uh, sort of economy. Right. And that's, I've, I've
0: seen the, for a little time I was here, I mean, I was here back in, I think, 2014 and 2018, I believe,
1: mm-hmm. and just
0: seeing the change from the first year Till the fourth year was drastic I can only imagine you being here in the 90s to now being here in 2020 what the amount of change you've seen and even had a part in firsthand mm-hmm. as far as you know the dot-com boom the IT development and just always being on the cutting edge of how can we get the newest technologies taught and showcased before the students and faculty so we can make the next generation or the next set of people that come through the university that much better and even make the university and the state that much more attractive.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So in, we talked about uh, Charlie D'Agostino getting started with what is now the uh, the tech, now the tech park. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Innovation. Innovation park. park. Yeah, Innovation, 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 Innovation park. park. So how, how much involved were y'all with that getting off the ground and, you know, the communications back and forth with the university?
1: Yeah, well, well, uh, for sure, uh, we weren't the, you know, leaders there. That means really Charlie uh, and his group uh, really is the ones that built that out. But we did work uh, through the 90s and into the 2000s. We did work with Charlie. Uh, many of our faculty are uh, engaged with the business uh, community regularly and so Charlie has a bunch of startups out there at his incubator. They uh, need help uh, putting together business plans and assessing technology needs and things like that. So. Many of us were involved as faculty, you know, just as a support um, mechanism for a lot of the small incubator companies that were just starting up. We really enjoyed that. So we've always had a long-standing good relationship with the with innovation part. Um, and yeah, that's that's, uh, that's uh, basically, I think, answers your question. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it's
0: the the hand-in-hand, hand, not necessarily the... Initiative or starting it but working with them and finding a way that y'all can be mutually benefit each other You know, Mm -hmm. it's y'all are building a place that we can send students that want to have startups But they want to have it with the resources you have Mm -hmm. That may not necessarily be able to be achieved here on such on the level that they want within the university standards Sure, you know because it's it's one thing to be able to tailor a course to a certain group of students it's another to tailor a course to a specific student one at a time. Sure. I mean, it's yeah. just you can't you can't do that as mm-hmm. far as a university standpoint goes. So having that one on one ability with the with the you know technology park is your innovation park is great in that Definitely. sense. And yeah. so, what has that relationship kind of evolved into over the last you know decade
1: or so? Well, it really uh, it's because of uh, where we are now. That's how it's evolved. I think going from uh, knowing them as the incubator down the road Mm -hmm. to actually being much more involved in uh, sort of building and sustaining fostering this ecosystem this entrepreneurial ecosystem where we are ultimately we want to create young uh, business owners uh, like yourself and uh, you know it's like a springboard effect we get them off the ground here and they can jump into the incubator down the road. It's always been a challenge uh, engaging. Uh, You wouldn't think, you know, they were right down the road, but six miles is a long way for students. Right, And it's always been a challenge to get students to leverage uh, the incubator resources uh, day to day, unless they've really uh, got a staff and they really have a need to have their own office, uh, you know, uh, a brick-and-mortar sort of location uh, where they can work from. So this uh, this has really kind of solved that problem in that we can serve the students that are just getting started here as a kind of a mini student incubator in, uh with the goal of uh, getting them off the ground uh, walking or jogging or running maybe mm-hmm. and to the point where they do need a full-pledged incubator with a prototyping shop and access to engineers and other professionals um, to support their, their their operations. Okay. And so jumping back to the university side,
0: what does the curriculum look like? And, you know, what is the last, I guess, how, how much has it changed, I guess, since I've been here? You know, with, I've heard there's been a lot of changes happening <laughs> over the last, like, two years. And when I was, I mean, I was one of the, Mary, Mary Catherine and I were the first two graduates in the pair degree program so that was back in 2018. Where are we
1: looking at right now for 2020 and 2021? So what's interesting we started the new department and the new degree in 2017. 2017-2018 mm-hmm. academic year was our first year and you were the first you and Mary Catherine Emery were the first graduates of the entrepreneurship program a bachelor's degree right at the time required uh we conferred it only as a second degree mm-hmm. so you both had uh, primary degrees you in accounting and Mary Catherine in marketing, so that uh, that's really I mean you know that's the that's the startup here. we right uh, the majority of that curriculum is still in place, uh, what's changed a lot is our faculty, so at the time uh, you know what my job has largely been is uh, recruiting faculty and hiring faculty, we had three terrific uh, faculty right off the bat. If you remember Melissa Lee and Blake Mathias and Mm -hmm. Franz Lorke, and they've all, they all out of their own personal circumstances had moved on. And to some degree, we knew that would happen. Um, Melissa went back into industry, which is uh, her first love. Uh, She joined uh, an innovation group and then she's involved in, if I recall correctly, she's involved now in designing a hospital of the future. Which okay. is, uh, you know, kind of work was really close to her, and uh, Blake Mathias was uh, has family businesses up in Illinois, so it, we knew that he was one day gonna head back up that direction, which he did, and um, and then Franz Lorke moved back uh, to Alabama where his family is, his wife, who's, uh, uh, you know, they're both in Auburn now. So right, but I uh, tell you what, each one of them was so critical to get us to move us forward. And in their own way, I mean, France was very uh, senior in the entrepreneurship academic discipline and had a quite broad network that we could pull from. He's very knowledgeable in the curriculum side. So, uh, you know, they, uh, they were all critical in establishing us and bringing credibility to the program. And, and we've been lucky that every year, every semester since then, we've been able to move forward. Even with those three leaving, we uh, now have uh, four faculty, uh, Reg Tucker, Shane Reed, and Joe Cabral are the assistant professors. And then uh, Danny Holt, we uh, acquired from Mississippi State, who <laughs> has a very successful entrepreneurship program. So right. he, he's a, a, uh, is an outstanding academic with a long history working in entrepreneurship and building programs and it's very strong on the research side too. So at a research one university, you have to have uh, academics that can produce top uh, academic research and get it published in the top journals. And so we are now at the point where we're able to do that. We hired our fifth faculty who will join us in um, August, Rob uh, Solimanov, who is also coming from Mississippi State. And as we speak, we are pursuing the, uh, the sixth uh, very senior uh, distinguished scholar who is uh, also from uh, Mississippi working. State. No, no. He's, <laughs> okay. he's from the other uh, from from a different part of the country. OK, I don't want to jinx this. So I'm being it's under wraps, but hopefully he'll join. He'll we'll announce that uh, within a month or two. And so uh, plus we were able to hire Kenny Anderson from LSU Innovation Park. He was running the student incubator there. Right. And that has only helped us to solidify the relationship with Innovation Park as well as with Tech Park and with the other, with the other incubators on campus. And it's just overall we are so much stronger just because of the nature of how this was set up with the additional resources and additional faculty lines. And we're just uh, just starting, you know, I feel like one of the old steam engine uh, trains just, mm-hmm. you know, it took a while to get the wheels rolling, but we really feel really good about where we are now. So the big uh, change is just a new whole new set of faculty with new ideas on how to evolve the program, new courses uh, that we're going to be introducing, uh, new relationships. Uh, we're very interested in bridge building. Across campus and getting uh, uh, other faculty entrepreneurial-minded and innovative faculty on campus engaged mm-hmm. with us in interesting projects. Uh, also, our uh, building bridges with the business community is very important to us, and engaging with successful entrepreneurs is very important to us. So that's uh, just you know back in the day in 2017, 2018, <laughs> it was tough to do things just because. We didn't have a lot of people, right? And everything was moving,
0: so yeah, you were uh, y'all were essentially in a I don't want to say a startup phase yeah, of the yeah, program, definitely,
1: definitely. but it was something like it. Exactly was yeah, no no kidding. I mean, it takes a lot to get. We started in twenty fifteen planning for the degree. It really took a good two years to get all the approvals done. You have to go through the, from the you know department to the college, the university. To the Board of Supervisors, to the Board of Regents, and um, and there's two uh, two different passes. One is putting together a letter and a proposal of what you intend to do, and getting that all approved, mm-hmm. making sure there's no redundancy in the state, and making sure you're aligned with you know the university's mission, and and then the second phase is uh, putting through the full proposal with all of the Paperwork that goes along with approving new courses, and in revising the minor and, and and so on, and creating a new department uh, right. with a new name. It's uh, in a major state university that is quite a
0: task. <laughs> yeah, I mean and, you yeah. you've got so many ladders and so many steps that have to be taken just to get what, in the student's eyes, is such a simple a simple thing like, Oh, just add a, add a degree program. I was like, okay, well there's all of this, you know, behind the scenes work that takes place that the students and people looking in are maybe not be aware of. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like you, like for me, I'm like, Oh, this is the first year they're doing it. They must've like started on it like six months ago or something. And for you to be like, Oh no, we didn't do this for like two years prior to even get launched. It's like, okay, that's a much bigger, a much greater perspective of what it actually takes to get something like this off the ground and get something running. Right. And now that it seems that it is running, y'all are just, like, putting gasoline on this thing and just making it well. go as fast as you can <laughs> in a controlled burn
1: environment. Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, not something you can always control. Right. And uh, you definitely want – we definitely want to do uh, things that are meaningful and where we can ensure good quality, good results, and things that are sustainable. And it's um, – after having experienced the dot-com, literally the boom and the bust, you realize well, there's a lot of work went in those few years we were on the rise and, mm-hmm. and a lot of it you know, uh, went away or changed shortly thereafter because of the change in the industry. But we definitely are interested in building something that's sustainable and that can have an impact in, uh, in students' lives and also in, in our economy ultimately Right, uh, as a way of uh, sort of like a catalyst or a stimulant. Okay, so for for a
0: student that's coming here, and they, you know, they're thinking about starting a business, but maybe just don't understand the process that it takes, or they've got this idea or this product they want to get going, and they just don't know how. But they're coming to LSU. What can they expect
1: on a curriculum, you know, wise? Like, what's what's their four year track look like? Sure. Well, what I do want to uh, mention, actually is that one thing we did get approved recently was that we can confer degrees starting in 2021, uh, single degrees in entrepreneurship. So that okay. was uh, probably the newest uh, exciting thing that happened from a curriculum point of view. Uh, so that means uh, hopefully we will continue to attract students like you who want to get the parent degree or get the double degree. We think that'll serve many students well, but also we will have students who's, uh, who are earning just a single degree in bachelor, a uh, single bachelor degree in entrepreneurship, uh, which is 120 hours versus 150 that you had right uh, completed. 150 is difficult. Uh, yeah. You have to have resources. You have to have uh, perseverance and you just have to have the desire. Right. I mean, it's and not, it takes more than four years. Yeah. Yeah. You do. Not everybody does in four years.
0: Um, but I mean, that's, you're essentially adding a whole semester with the pair degree. You're adding 30 extra hours.
1: That a well, student- business student, you're adding 30 hours. Oh, okay, but that for other students, it else. could be more than 30 hours. Okay. You had so many grad credits when you graduated, and you had already earned the minor in entrepreneurship, I believe. So, right, you were well on your way by by your senior year. Yeah, and uh, we were able to make, you were able to make it happen, uh, which we're excited about. <laughs> But, um, yeah, for the new students coming here, uh, again, it could, you could look at, there's so many options Mm -hmm. uh, for students at LSU. It could be simply take an elective Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't have have any prereqs, uh, just to, or it could even be to take advantage of co-curricular that we sponsor, like the Startup Weekend, the Venture Challenge, uh, the trip to Seattle uh, to study the entrepreneurship ecosystem. There's a lot of different Things that we do outside of the classroom where we try to attract as many students, um, as diverse a group as possible, um, just because uh, anyone can be an entrepreneur. Anyone can be entrepreneurial. Right. So we'd like to stimulate that thinking and stimulate those activities. Uh, So anything from co-curricular to coursework to a minor, if you want to have a more formal pathway, no matter what degree you get. Uh, In 15 credit hours, you can earn a minor, and and that would be everything. That could involve anything from field work to uh, lectures, traditional lectures, a lot of mentoring, um, a lot of uh, projects and pitch sort of activities. Um, And so that's one avenue is the minor, and you could do the double major, which uh, we have close to 30 students doing the double major today. Oh, wow. Uh, we have uh, over 180 doing the minor. And now we'll have students that are going to get the single degree. So if you look at it uh, as a single degree mm-hmm. in the business school, is very similar to any other business degree in that essentially one-third of your 120 credit hours is general ed, okay, which univer- all university students take. And then one-third of your business degree is a business core, mm-hmm. which I think of as like a mini MBA, Right, uh, you're doing all the sort of coursework you're doing that are the MBA students take. And then the, the final third is the actual major. And that will be the courses uh, specific to the entrepreneurship program, which range from uh the three core courses which if you remember innovation creativity yep and entrepreneurship principles yep and then corporate entrepreneurship or what we call entrepreneurship, okay it's the third course then there is a business planning course and a um special topics course which when you were here i think france taught digital entrepreneurship yep we do uh also doing um other ones um other courses that uh, students could take advantage of, and and this is what the new faculty will be working on this next year is, what are the different sort of career opportunities you want to pursue, mm-hmm. and we'll create uh, we'll cluster our coursework around career opportunities. So, if you come and say come in and say, hey, I'm I got I I want to start a business, man, I am so ready. I've got some ideas. I've already done some stuff. You might take the startup uh, path. Someone okay. who really want, is ready to get the ball rolling. And, um, the, you know, the extreme example of that is Josh Cawley, mm-hmm. uh Puts up a website, sells, starts selling um, auto parts, and just does something that other auto parts resellers aren't doing, and that is catering to a customer. It's really customer service driven, and he is now... Uh, running a uh, an operation that takes him all over the world. He's got offices in multiple countries and he's generating a lot of revenue and it's just um, that's that's the extreme case. You know, we don't expect definitely don't expect every student or even many students to, to be that successful. But right. that, that's the idea of the startup and it, it could be take on many different forms. Um, I know a young lady came out of the incub- a student incubator making jewelry and that was she made it, uh, has started a great business uh, off of that. So a lot of different ways of uh, realizing that sort of um, career path. And um, another one could be the corporate uh, innovator, the corporate entrepreneur, the entrepreneur. And we find many uh, companies, Fortune 500 companies, interested in hiring students who have this entrepreneurial mindset and are just very interested in or, or very skilled at um, finding opportunities, finding resources to uh, pursue opportunities and uh, I don't want to say taking risks, but understanding risk, uh, cal- taking calculated risks, right. And more on the, maybe the business development side. And uh, so we're finding that to be more as a corporate entrepreneur, a very viable career path for students. It could be uh, students like what we had traditionally been catering to is more of the small business, uh, sort of a student, they, they're in a family business, say, like Mary Catherine mm-hmm. uh, joined her mom in in their business when she graduated. So it could be more uh, geared towards that. It could be someone who wants to go into more of the IP technology transfer side. So that's what the faculty are. We have a core uh, curriculum for all of our entrepreneurship students. And then we'll we're, we're in the process of creating sort of career paths. Which okay. are more like how to how do we how do I cluster my electives right when I jump into a program right It's getting it more tailored,
0: more dialed in. Like it's if you have a student, let's use accounting for example, that wants to focus more on audit, they can go through mm-hmm. the internal audit program here. Sure. They can take a couple more audit courses and they focus more in that side of the accounting world. Exactly, and now it's being developed for the entrepreneurship world. Whereas exactly. I mean, yeah. you've just ha- you're covering essentially all your bases between. Small business, startup, entrepreneurship, and then family businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, just showing the students that, hey, realistically, anything you want to do within the entrepreneurial world, we have a path that you can take to set you up for the most success we can as a university. Exactly. You got it, man. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. <laughs> and so how are the students kind of, I mean, you've the numbers have just skyrocketed. When, I mean, when you're looking at a university base and you've got, you know, thousands and thousands of students, a couple hundred may not seem like that much, right. but whenever I was here, we were 12. Yeah. You know, we were, if you were in the fellows program, you were the bulk of the people in the entrepreneurship curriculum mm-hmm. was within that fellows Definitely. program. Yeah. You know, we, I think y'all, y'all were trying to scratch and claw to find people to go to the first Seattle trip. Yeah. And now I'm sure that thing books up faster it, than you know what to well, do with. it
1: did. And, it did until this year when we had actually canceled <laughs> it this year because of the virus. But right, but no, it's uh, that's true. It's it's exciting to see the the momentum, the snowball effect. Right, and uh, and and I think the business community also are I'm happy to see that they're starting to look closer and get more confidence that uh, we're here to stay and that we're going to continue to build and. Uh, You saw, you'll see on the website here, it's, uh, let's see here, an announcement made recently about the J, the Venture Challenge is now named the J. Terrell Brown Venture Challenge. Okay. uh, The Brown family made a significant uh, contribution to create an endowment. So that'll go on uh, indefinitely as, um, it generates interest that we can then uh, fund uh, the venture challenge with. Okay, so it's and a... so what in the past years we usually were scrambling to find donors mm-hmm. who uh, anywhere from ten dollars to five hundred to a thousand to create a pot in which to um, award uh, funds for startup business, student startup businesses. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, really been a great. Um, the big announcements since uh, the Stevenson's announcement. I should also mention when this uh, Emmett Tony Stevenson's made this commitment, they also were able to convince the Koch, Charles Koch Foundation to make a very similar um, commitment. And so we did receive a sizable investment from the Charles Koch Foundation to really seed our um, Stevenson Entrepreneurship Institute. So both the Institute and the department have funds that we've never had before in resources we never had before. And, uh, yeah, so the, the money won in the bank in 2017. And again, you, you need to really give some thought and, uh, it took us a little while, a while to start spending it, but now we have some good initiatives that are, um, worthy of the investments that have been made by the donors. Right uh, and investors, we prefer to call them. And <laughs> yeah. So no, it's exciting, and I think you'll see from the business community, you'll see others who want to make this investment, and um, as long as they can see the value and the investment and the impact it has on the students and the students' lives, uh, I think we'll we'll continue to see a, a, a business community that wants to invest in the programs that we're running. Right, and it's getting the
0: business community to understand that with the resources given, y'all are able to cultivate and create this student base that can grow businesses locally and help boost the economy. You know, I'm looking on your shelf and you've got a Marucci bat
1: Mm -hmm. sitting
0: on your bookshelf. You know, they just had a huge sale for, you know, was it $350 million, I Mm -hmm. think. And that, you know, is a local Louisiana business that is proof that you can come here and start a business and go through the steps and then if you want to exit you can exit now he's exit was still to stay and run the company as such they just said we want to own you instead sure. of you owning it you sure. know and so it's showing people and saying yes this is possible you know using the examples of josh Colley and his you know drop shipping essentially company where he sells the auto parts and now i think he's got his own line of products at this point and just seeing that the success can happen locally and that anybody can do it is huge for incoming
1: students And it just makes the university as a whole much more attractive from the outside. Yeah. And we enjoy acknowledging and celebrating all the past successes. If you look at it, it is amazing. Uh, Right across the street is Walk-On's. Right down the road is Community Coffee. Uh, Cane's Chicken is popping up all over the country. Walk-On's has a very aggressive expansion strategy. Uh, And our students have had the opportunity to meet with all the leaders uh, Brandon landry uh, Chris mo with waiter has been very involved with what we're doing and uh, just come you know every every local entrepreneur you can imagine uh, has been to campus multiple times engaging with the students and uh, presenting and it's just been exciting judging competitions and it's just been exciting exciting to see this sort of uh, interaction this dynamic going on
0: right yeah I mean you've got everything from startup weekend where I mean waiter was Waiter came out of a startup it weekend, certainly did, yeah. and just showcasing that, hey guys, this stuff is here, and take advantage of it to come in, and you don't have to go the normal path that everybody else goes. You can choose to kind of choose to kind of forge your own path within the university, and mm-hmm. now it's so open that you've got the resources for the students to come here. Like you said, you've got the mentors that they can lean on. You know, you've got Innovation Park where they can go out there and even build their prototypes using their. Mm-hmm you know, materials and supplies and the technology they have over there. And then now y'all building this backlog of a database of alumni, right? Who you can leverage and bring in and say, Hey, come talk to the class. They want to hear about this. They want to hear about that. You know, just share your story of how you got started. Mm -hmm. And then now that furthermore just creates more of a excitement around the, you know, the ecosystem here at LSU and around the curriculum as a whole, Mm -hmm. that it's really exciting to see where it's going and where it's heading. Yeah, down the road. I'm um, I'm looking forward to seeing it go and where the, the paths take y'all.
1: Definitely. It's, Me too.
0: Yeah. And it's, I know it's just getting started for sure. Is, yeah. Uh, but starting to kind of wrap up the podcast, I want to jump back and kind of ask some more reflective thoughts on what are some of the, you know, if you could find and nail out two specific lessons that you've learned and have kind of stuck
1: with you throughout this path, what would those two lessons be? Well, you know, probably the things you hear all the time, like never give up. Right. I want something more than that. I don't want to never give up or chase your dreams. Well, you, catch it. you put me on the spot here. But I look at, um, I think, you know, the ability to, like what I'm trying to do now, surround myself mm-hmm. with smart people, hiring the best people. Uh, you hear this all the time. It's just you cannot uh, underestimate that. And uh, you know, just getting people that can work together, being open open to new ideas, uh, is often difficult, uh, but it's really critical. And um, that I think, and just just having a sort of, you know, once you have a vision, once you have a belief in something, like uh, you hear all the time, you just you know putting 100% focus into that. And uh, you know, I wanna, I wish I had something. You never heard of before but it, it is the base uh, back to the basics for stuff um, does that sound yeah look, no that's and even even that statement in and of itself
0: of I wish I had something that you haven't heard before just goes to show that what people say is true mm-hmm. and the way they put it is true sticking true to who you are surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded and are after the same goal And also being open to change and new ideas, being Mm -hmm. accepting of having those new ideas come in from people whom you may think may not have great ideas. But then when you hear it, you're like, hang on a second. You know, that's when you're like, Okay, I really love what you've got going there, but let's flush it out and let's really make it into something. Yeah. Or it's already flushed out into something great. And you're like, Awesome, let's do it. Let's 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 take that and let's figure out what we need to do to make that happen.
1: Exactly. And
0: even the answer of, you know, it's 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 the same is a perfect example of just going back to the principles, understanding what people have done, and that it, for a lot of people, it's the same thing.
1: It is. And it's, um, I heard once, you have to kiss uh, 10 frogs before you get a prince. <laughs> and there's a lot, uh, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. You're going to get discouraged. And I can tell you, anything worth doing is not going to be easy. And that sometimes can be discouraging is when you, you, uh, it's never going to be perfect, you know. It's right. you're going to make mistakes, and you just got to continue improving and and trying to make every day count. And it's uh, you know, it's the stuff you do every day when you go to work. That's right. That makes you successful. Okay. So, uh, on that note, you
0: you're from the north. You're a Yankee. So. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm. You know, I've <laughs> you've been here it. long enough, right? Yeah, I think the the last podcast I had uh, Brian Haldane from Talk on on. He said that one of the things he would change about Baton Rouge is people looking at people from not here and saying how much of an outsider they are. So I'll I'll, I'll drop the Yankee title on you.
1: Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, I would, I don't know that I'd, I'd stereotype. It's just. Uh, you know, Baton Rouge is very different now than it was right. in 1994, I mean, very different. And uh, I think the biggest difference, I think, came after Katrina. Mm-hmm. And, and one indicator I always thought was interesting was the number of sushi restaurants. And just you're be, you becomes more cosmopolitan, in a sense, than it had it was in the old days. It was state government and uh, petrochemical industry. That was it. And so the need to, to diversify and that you're seeing, I'm, I'm seeing just more people that have more excitement and and want to do things and have the sort of the vision and the confidence to, to push and to keep moving forward, moving forward. So it is, um, it was uh, one, I think you took the first trip to Seattle, mm-hmm. right? Right. And you remember when we were wrapping up the trip at the pizza restaurant and we everybody stood up and talked about their experience. And that's the first time in all in my 25 years in Louisiana, I would never really thought of it that way, that uh, a few of the students summarized it. And that and I try to paraphrase that I have always wanted to start my own business. I want to go out on my own. I got great ideas. And I've always been discouraged by my family and friends that, you know, they want me to take the stable job. They, they want to discourage me from creating my own business. And I never, that's where you really start to understand the culture. And, and what we're trying to do is influence the culture of the state and, 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 you know, encourage people to be more uh, bold and courageous and and, you know, have more confidence in their abilities. And I think when you have a program that focuses on that, focuses on entrepreneurship, focuses on innovation, you don't worry about, uh, we don't worry about all the jobs that the students in the other disciplines are, you know, the blue chip jobs that have always been there are gonna continue to be there. We're worried more about the jobs that don't exist yet, the jobs, we're worried about the the work that, that, Uh, no one knows about, that uh, it requires someone who's willing to jump into ambiguity and and create something, an opportunity, create uh, uh, an opportunity, basically. So that's, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, what our destination is, is figuring out how to, uh, you know, be a catalyst for economic development and how to create a... A culture that's more welcoming to outsiders, more welcoming to new ideas, more welcoming to um, this idea to start up and um, and that sort of thing. So uh, hopefully we can make a difference and we can have some fun along the way. Absolutely. You you, uh, you kind of answered the last two questions I was going to oh, ask <laughs> before I asked them.
0: <laughs> they were, they were going to be, uh, what are... What are what are some things or what is, what is one thing that you like about Baton Rouge? Mm-hmm. And also what is something you would change about Baton Rouge? And you kind of answered both of those within that, you know, that kind of rant that was there yeah. was what you like about Baton Rouge is seeing the change happening and how the ecosystem and the people that live here are becoming more diverse. New ideas are coming in. You know, we're bringing in new businesses. We're retaining more people. And then on mm-hmm. the flip side of what would you change is well, let's keep pushing harder that. Sure. Let's keep, let's keep pushing. Hey, we're a great hub. We're a great city. We've got so much going for us that if you come here, the opportunities that you can do, we can build the jobs that aren't there right now, and that's what we're trying to foster within the curriculum, within the within the college, mm-hmm. is finding those people that could go into a great blue collar, a blue chip job that's always been there, but we want to find those people that are coming here to one day build and create jobs that aren't in existence at this time. Sure. Yeah, so I I love that yeah, well, answer. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. So thank you, uh, Dr. Ed, for coming on the show. I, thank you, Patrick. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I did too. It was it was great. It was a good little little hour long segment of just us getting to chat and listening to the development of LSU and where everything's going and where it's kind of come from. I'm looking forward to the future developments. Thanks. Me too. And go Tigers. That's it. Go Tigers. <laughs> so for everybody listening and watching, this is the latest rendition of the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G signing off with Dr. Ed Watson here at Louisiana State University in their entrepreneurship department. thanks good night i'm a simple